Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Almost live from the trenches of New York City, here are your middle-aged warriors, Chris Cimino and Rick Summers. All right, welcome back to Middle-Aged Warriors Special Edition. We are feeling very green today because <laughs> it's Earth Day. Well, I usually am a little green anyway on a Thursday. <laughs> I'm probably, green on Monday. I had too much to drink last That's night, so it. I'm a little green on Thursday. But um, happy Earth Day, Rick. Hey, thanks. They say it's your Earth Day. And this is the 51st Earth Day. Yeah. I, so we were both around, though I'm sure you barely remember it, as do I. Yeah. I mean, 50, I, what was 51 I? 51 years seven, ago. Seven, eight years old. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, that, so that would have been 1970? 1970. April yeah, 22nd. And, and honestly, I, I remember it. I mean, to me, Earth Day back in the 70s was like, a, you know, the granola. Yeah. And, yeah. And tree hugging kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah, it was, uh, it, well, let's be honest, it was kind of a hippie thing. You right. Know, hey, man, love the earth, man. Love the earth. You yeah. know, it was like down with the man, you know, but uh, it was a whole, it came with a whole package, like sort of like a lot of things do now when you take a political position or stance on something. Right. But apparently it was started, uh, I see you did a little bit of research. It was started by a Wisconsin man, Senator Gaylord Nelson. Yeah. And basically around that time, the country was being hit by oil spills and uh, mounting levels of pesticides. We had a lot of air pollution, smoggy skies, polluted waters. Remember that commercial? Remember the commercial with the Indian? Oh, and that yeah. little tear going down his cheek. Oh, it was yes. very powerful, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I do remember that. And and so back then we were still in Vietnam. Right. You know. Right. And, Hadn't quite and, wrapped that up yet either. Yeah. No, that's true. So 1970, man. Turbulent yeah. time. Well, I mean, I guess the good news about this is that we haven't forgotten it. It, it wasn't one of those days that sort of was hip and cool to have for a while and then it faded into the background and never came back. I mean, people are still very conscious of Earth Day, maybe even more so today than we've been in a while. I think so. You know, you can see that there is now a whole generation, I think, uh, that now has a new or renewed awareness of the importance of the Earth. Well, you and I have talked about climate change with your background in meteorology and my background just being alive and Mm -hmm. seeing. (laughs) But, you know, how often... Have you turned into TV and watched one of these National Geographic specials that show the ice chunks coming Mm. off glaciers in Antarctica and how everything is melting? And statistically, I mean, I don't really want to put you on the spot, but the Earth is warmer than it's been. Oh, absolutely. And and it continues to do that every year. The question becomes, and and this is where it's a controversy as opposed to just an understanding. I always take the step back. And I'll be honest, when this initially was being brought out to the forefront of, of our awareness, that is that the planet was getting warmer, there was, you know, it's called global warming, then it's called climate change. It's climate change, really, because first of all, it's a changing climate. Mm-hmm. The change happens to be right now that it's getting warmer. We've had ice ages on this planet. Yeah. Okay, so the question becomes, are we, as a human race, and what we spew in these CO2 gases into the air, are we responsible for this rapid warming? Is it part of, some extent, a natural cycle that was going to happen anyway? Are we accelerating that natural cycle? And then the other question becomes, what can we really do about it? So I'm always afraid to say, well, this might be 
just something, you know, this is a volatile planet. It has been changing forever. And this concept of things not changing to me, I don't understand how human beings get this because all you have to do is take a drive break a little north and you see some mountains. Well, those mountains weren't there at one time. Right. Something violent had to happen with the ground. You know, Tectonics, right. yeah. The, the coastline forming the way it formed. The, the crashing waves eroding it the way it eroded. Islands were formed for different reasons. Volcanoes erupted over and over again. So this planet's constantly changing. So does the climate. The question becomes, are we responsible for this? And if we suddenly start to live a greener lifestyle... In the spirit of recycling, mm. I'm going to recycle an old joke. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> is this yeah. planet warmer or is it just me? <laughs> That's when the planet has, uh, it's going through menopause, basically. You know, I gambled for over 30 years. That was as a meteorologist trying to make a correct weather forecast. But I love sports. And if you love sports, a lot of you out there love to bet. So bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. I don't like to, I don't like to make it into a political football, and I like to just say, hey, look, we have to understand this planet will always be changing and challenging us, just the way this pandemic is challenging us. These things, you know, are part of the enclosed sphere that we live in, and it just keeps... It, imagine we're like in a one of those snow globes, and it just shakes once in a while, right. and it changes, you know, right, right, and, right. and the planet changes. If you're in a time frame for a long stretch where it doesn't seem to do much of anything and everything's steady, you go, hey, this is the way it's always going to be. <clears throat> Wrong answer. And now we're in a, in a phase of change... And I think we're having a hard time dealing with it. Plus, think about what the media does with it. This is in our face every day. Right. You know, it, during the days of, 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 the, of the continent splitting, I don't think there were newscasts to, to follow yeah. that. Exactly. Yeah. Continent splits. Yeah. Film, Judge Scarborough going, film oh, at 11. We've got South America now. <laughs> who, who knew? Who knew that was coming? Though I do want to bring up one thing. And you mentioned pandemic. And it's interesting to think back, you know, in 2020... After everybody, at least in America, I can't speak for the rest of the world, maybe you can, was home mm -hmm. and not commuting and doing such, how the air qualities around the country changed immensely. I think about Los Angeles's air quality. Around the world. I mean, yeah. in India, they could see the mountains again, you know, through the smog and... Yeah, and you know, so that does speak to the fact that we are definitely polluting our air and our water. That has to stop. We have to find better ways to, you know, utilize energy that's available and continue to, you know, flourish as as a civilization without doing that. I, you know, I think everybody should agree upon that. I don't I don't understand why that's a problem. You can see it's not a good thing. You don't even have to measure temperature change and then see how that's going to play out detrimentally or not. Look, global warming, by the way, in parts of the world probably may be beneficial to places that weren't, you know, great for growing crops before. Maybe now they are. But places that were, now they're not. You know, it's all a trade-off. But the, the point is we have to be prepared to make changes according to the changes the planet makes underneath us. Right. But we have to respect that. And, and, the, and you know, the key word is change because, as we know, human beings do not instinctively adjust well to change, change yeah. yeah and therein lies the problem so what we've ended up with here are, are again hmm, surprise 
two extreme sides instead of where probably the reality and the truth lies, which is somewhere in the middle. We've got the maybe the, the right wing saying, oh, this is a bunch of crap, tree huggers, hippies. They're just trying to stop capitalization. They want socialism. What has that got to do with it? That, has, that really should have nothing to do with it. And then you have the extreme left who thinks, oh, I'm going to get an electric car and then the climate's going to stop changing and not get warmer anymore. That's not true either. So the reality is somewhere in between. Yes, more efficient, cleaner sources of energy. Absolutely. I don't think that should be argued by either side. What it's going to do to the climate per se, I don't know, but I know it's going to make the air a hell of a lot healthier. But, you know, to speak of where we've come, you know, you, you had mentioned in the beginning, um, you know, this being Earth Day, but a day that it didn't happen, but we were supposed to be launching uh, a space shuttle right. today. You right. Know, and what was the other thing about this helicopter on Mars you were talking about? Oh, yeah. Well, it's interesting, and, and I'm laughing about, think about the technology. Yeah, we were supposed to launch, uh, I don't six or seven astronauts up to the space. I'm not even sure of the number. Mm. Then we'll have to check in with our NASA experts. But they were going to go up to the space station. But also going on a mere 36 million miles away, we are flying a NASA helicopter (laughs) over the surface of planet Mars by remote control. And I was laughing with you because... Geez, I can't even get my TV remote control in my living room to work. You have to get to the right angle to point it to <laughs> really? just to change a channel. These guys are from, from Earth. They're, they're remotely uh, handling a helicopter on Mars. That's it's nice. amazing, yeah. Yeah, sure. That's, yeah. That is pretty incredible stuff. When you think about the fact we're able to do that, but we still haven't really figured out how to keep the planet clean, so to speak. And one of the other things, and we have a guest coming up in just a little bit we're going to get to, somebody that I've known and been friends with for 25 years. He's a meteorologist, but... Also, very involved in clean earth and, and making it a better place to live. And uh, he deals with a lot of composting and the importance and value of composting. Yeah, which I never really understood. I mean, to me, composting was, I'm a city kid, so mm-hmm. composting was fertilizer. Right. Composting was just breaking down of old crap. Well, and reusing it for something else. I Is think that, he's going to articulate that a little bit differently. I would but, hope so, yeah. But that's certainly the starting point of what compost is, or composting is. But he is actually uh, working for a company for solutions. And their goal really, and we'll have him talk more about it, is to take a lot of the organic waste that we have, a lot of the food waste that we have, and turning it into compost. But that's a win-win-win situation because it does several things. It takes some of the strain off of the restaurant industry. Farmers, for example, who have a lot of waste, they can get rid of it much more easily. They can then get fertilizer and or compost to feed back into their crops to make their crops even healthier. And then I found out other things about compost. Compost apparently is uh, it holds has the ability to hold a lot more water. And what that means is when it rains, instead of the rain sometimes running off into places that it's useless or picking up pesticides or whatever off the surface, right. it leaches into the ground and then gets filtered and goes into the water table. And because it has that long filtration, the water is actually much cleaner in our water table because it's, of the compost. It's like a big Brita. It is. <laughs> a that, big Brita filter. <laughs> that, but that really, I think, for those who didn't see it, that's probably the best way to explain it. Yeah, and, and soil soil loves compost. And again, that creates better pH levels for the plants that you're growing in it. He has shown me pictures. They're hilarious of, you know, 
without the compost where he's growing some flowers or something or a crop or some right. vegetable and then with the compost and they're almost double if not triple in size sometimes it seriously really, it's phenomenal you know we we take it for granted and don't realize it really exists but um it it really does a lot it, it will create cleaner oceans because again it absorbs more of that water instead of running off and picking up the acids and things that are on the surface, near the surface, the gunky stuff that we humans put out, which then goes into the ocean, that doesn't happen anymore. It'll control erosion. Uh, there's several other things that it does uh, with uh, apparently with methane emissions or something. Oh, you know those methane emissions. Oh yeah. Uh, you know we're not going there. You should always <laughs> put a little compost in your diet. Yeah. <laughs> It'll filter out the methane emissions, but it takes carbon out of the atmosphere and puts it back into the ground where it actually belongs and where, you know, nature wants it to be. So there's there's a lot of positive things about it. I don't know about you. I mean, I don't, at this point, I'm not in the game of separating. We talked, I'm in the game of separating for recycling. But do you compost? Do you take your no, no. orange rinds or coffee grounds? And, uh, no, and, and that's apparently very valuable stuff yeah. as part of the compost equation. But no, we're, we're as so many people are now, we're trying to adhere to recycling. Mm -hmm. um, whether you live in an apartment building in New York City or you live up in the suburbs and you have a recycle uh, truck that comes and picks up every couple of weeks. But the amount of stuff that we recycle and throw yeah. out, we're two people and a cat. Mm -hmm. and the cat's I think not, the cat's responsible for a the, lot of that. You know, those well, tin cans are terrible for the cat food. And the cat's not doing a whole lot to help <laughs> us here, but... Uh, the truth of the matter is we are constantly scratching our heads saying, yeah. how is it possible mm -hmm. that two people and a cat, mm -hmm. it's like two and a half men, yeah, not uh, even, right? could, could really manufacture such amounts of garbage? Yeah. And the other thing, in doing a little research about this, though, and somebody had mentioned this to me a while back and said, you know, a lot of that stuff isn't being recycled. And... So I did some research, and the truth is there's no universal form, apparently, for recycling across the country. Every city, every state, they have their own regulations and methods that govern how they recycle. But apparently the EPA, Environmental Protection Agency, estimates that about 75% of the waste that we produce in this country is capable of being recycled. Really? But the amount we actually do has plateaued at 34%, so not even half. And that number hasn't changed since 2010. So the sad fact is, even though most of us believe in the, the theoretical benefits you know, of recycling, we may not all be participating as efficiently. And I don't know whether you've got to go to your local government to find out. You know, we feel, I mean, I feel like, hey, I'm doing my part. I'm doing what you told me to do. I've got my little bin. I put this here. I put that right. there. You yeah. know, now yeah, I have yeah. to chase after you to find out if it's really happening. And then i gotta, I got to get petitions to make it happen. Like, where does that stop and where does that level of responsibility stop? And I think that's part of the problem why everybody's all over the place in this country with different things because it's not regulated from one place. But we want to get to, we're going to get to our guest actually in just a little bit. He's been busy composting. No, but his name is Will Heinegger. And Will and I worked at WNBC many years ago, 25 years ago is when I first met Will. And we've been friends ever since. He's moved on to, he teaches at Kane University meteorology class. And he really got heavily involved in this compost business uh, in the last couple of years, and we'll let him talk about that in a little bit. Uh, we ready to bring Will in? I think so. Oh, Will. Will? Compost away. <laughs> compost Will. Here he is. 
And yes, indeed, Will, patiently standing by, thank you for joining us on Earth Day. I couldn't think of a better guest I could have out of any of the circle of friends and people I've known than Will Heiniger, because let's be honest, you are Mr. Compost. Welcome. Well, you know, that's a thank you, Chris and uh, Rick, for having me here today. It's quite a pleasure. Uh, anytime I can, you know, embrace the Earth-centric kind of components of where we got to go and to be able to expel them out with uh, uh, two such high pro profile figures uh, is, <laughs> oh, yeah. is, quite, yeah. is quite a lucky lucky score on my end. So thank are you, you doing, both for having me here today. Are you doing day drinking again? No, but, <laughs> but I, I want to welcome you. And it's great to see you, by the way. I mean, I've known Will, as I said a little bit earlier, for I guess we've known each other about 25 years. Wasn't it like 1996? It 96? was one of the super storms or the week before the super storm. It was 96. Uh, 96. Yeah, yep, that's right. So, uh, so a lot of a lot of miles traveled under that road. Absolutely. Yeah. But over time, besides being a meteorologist and a, and a damn good one, I might say, and now, uh, should I call you Professor Heinegger? I'm not uh, sure. Will's fine for this. You know, this is <laughs> oh, such a, a collection of friends here. It's okay. I'll, but I've seen you. I've seen you at work. I've seen you at work. Uh, you know, teaching young people about meteorology in a, in a really fun and dynamic way, I might add. But you got involved in something and, and with a, a company called 4FOR4SolutionsLLC.com is where you can find out this information. We'll talk about it as we go through the, uh, the this interview. But what made you get drawn to this company and what's it all about? I mean, you know, this is Earth Day, so explain to us. Yeah, it was actually stagnation, to be quite honest. I'd reached the juncture of uh, my, uh, of my tenure at Kane. And I'd been enjoying teaching and, you know, uh, you don't know, but uh, I've been enjoying teaching. I didn't enjoy my association with the students. And it just felt like I was getting kind of at a plateau, if you will. And so I basically said to my wife one day, I said, you know, I'm feeling kind of these things I just described. And I, I, I need to I need to get out of this. So, you know, who wouldn't jump into a master's program of environmental management at Montclair State University, like for fun, you know, some <laughs> people think of town commu uh, community of events, but I really wanted to push my, I guess, academics farther mm -hmm. uh, since I'd had some time and to kind of reflect on where it was. And uh, this, this, the environmentalism actually was planted decades before as a child. My father was a, a golf course superintendent out in Western ah. New Jersey. Mm -hmm. And I didn't understand then, you know, we had very deep discussions. He was very good at teaching uh, and exposing and I didn't understand the nuances of golf course management, but being out in the outdoors really kind of got me uh, caught up in that. And that seed had sprouted in 2009 when I decided to go back to my graduate school. Hey, we got to go out there and kill all the goofers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, the uh, Caddyshack theme, but. Oh yeah, um, absolutely. It was really, you know, and uh, I, I kind of suppressed those for a long time, not in a bad way, just, you know, going on. And right. I just felt plateaued. I went to school. I went back for my master's in environmental management. And on the food side, I connected with a professor who was at Kane at the time, Nick Smith Sebasto, who was at Montclair, came to Kane and was starting a sustainability program. And with this mm. grand idea of food management. And at that moment, I was like, I just was, I was engrossed. Wow. You know, there's, right. there's pinnacle moments you have in a lifetime. And I was engrossed. I said, I, I got to get on this food thing. This thing is, you know, because I've been trying to do backyard things and, you know, putzing around and stuff, but <laughs> I didn't know where to channel it. And food composting really, 
it got me excited. I'll tell you, it was really, really? an eye-opener. Yeah, oh, boy. It, was, <laughs> it was really a cool thing because it was a, a, a good way to solve and start to solve a global mm-hmm. issue. And, and there are many components of other activities, but food is so intrinsic to our lives, whether you have it or you don't, as the pandemic has revealed. Mm-hmm. Uh, soil health, social justice, social equality, food deserts, all these things that have been overlooked right. through your generation, my generation, if you will. And, um, you know, it's really just, it was a real hub of mm-hmm. starting to solve a lot of issues. Hey, Will, I wanted to ask you if you've ever heard of a grain uh, grown in Africa called Bonio? Hmm. No, I haven't. It's you stumped him. You stumped the guest. Well, sorry, okay. Will. We're moving the on to our next guest now. Is, uh, an answer. <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's actually, it's a sustainable uh, grain. And uh, it's a wonderful, we actually uh, have a relation to it only because my wife's niece, uh, a graduate of the NYU uh, graduate food program, I'm not sure exactly what it's called, um, did a, a study on Fonio in in Africa and how they're using it as you know a sustainable uh, grain yeah. that low is just, water, that now you can find it use, your, right right high energy value you right. may have Absolutely. to really think about well, you th- our diets as well in, in in America and the world. Well, that and and that's that's the point. You know, we're, when you're talking food and you're talking composting of you know the waste of food, this is something that is it envelops the entire world. It's civilization. It's it's basically what sustains us. Why it seems like we don't pay that much attention to it is what really kind of boggles my mind. And I think what you're talking about, what you're getting into is just sort of the forefront of where we need to go with this. You know, I was talking to Rick before, you know, we brought you in. Look, I don't know, to be perfectly honest, guilty as charged. I'm not separating my orange peels and my coffee grinds and all that stuff right now. I'm so you know, ashamed of you. Yeah, it's I know. I'm not a good friend, Rick. But yeah, but, yeah, but Will, what should area. we be doing? It's a disassociation. Urban mm. areas especially have this syndrome where our, your parents and mm. Rick's parents, I use the turkey analogy. When we grew up, you know, turkey was a, a treat rather than a regularity. Right. Or buying a side of beef or roast beef for a holiday. Part of that is the disassociation by generational because our grandparents recognized the value because they had backyard gardens. They mm-hmm. had, I guess, the simpler life in a sense, or the, mm-hmm. or they had to have a garden to help supplement the income, and that leads into wealth. And when wealth comes an issue, affluence says, "Oh, well, I can just buy more." That's not yeah, right. Really. Right. And so affluence causes another disassociation not and that can be anywhere that doesn't have to be an urban versus rural mm-hmm. situation right because now we can go buy more food it just shows up on the shelf and you know, so, i don't i don't mean to cut you off but i, I right. do want to say that i always say that everything that's wrong with america you can find at costco yeah, and i yeah. love costco don't get me wrong but um, i mean how big a, a, it's a, a reflection a of society of do you yeah. need right it's it's that uh you know and we that, can afford it we can afford it hopefully the right. uh, not hopefully the pandemic has revealed some of those serious cracks that people are yeah. teetering on mm-hmm. and so our, going back to the turkey 
our grandparents, you have turkey on Thanksgiving. That's the big day. Right. That bird didn't go out in the can that day. It sat in the fridge. What'd you have on Friday? You had right. turkey sandwiches. And then over the weekend or the next Monday, turkey pot some, pie. Turkey pot pie. Some elder would put it in the soup. And yep. by the time it got out, it was so fully utilized mm-hmm. that the grandparents would either dispose of it or they would just say, well, go bury it in the garden. We'll see, you know, we'll get it back in a, a year or two as better vegetables. Right. So let's let's get to that because I will say personally, and I, and I don't know why it's embedded in me in, in as much as I just confess that I don't necessarily set aside my, my organic waste. I don't make a lot of organic waste because it really bothers me to throw out food. Right. They, yeah. I've had people from from my wife and in their background, they didn't for some reason they didn't they didn't use leftovers. I live on leftovers yeah. I, until there's yeah. nothing left. We're scraping the bottom of the Tupperware for the third time. Yeah. You know, I'm yeah. that guy, and I almost feel good when I do that. I feel my heart oh, literally yeah. sinks when I'm throwing mm-hmm. out you know a, a Tupperware filled with some leftover that we just never got to, and now it's growing hair. You know, but it, 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 and that kills me. But I don't. I don't think that really is the attitude for many Americans. And certainly in the bigger picture, what about the restaurant industry and things like that? Yeah, oh my goodness. full yeah. of these markets that are uh, capitalizing on, you know, it's, it's a site that leads into the psychological factor, the yuck factor of day old. You know what you need a pair of? Oh, you know, they're called canine sunglasses and they're made exclusively with polarized lenses for optimal clarity. It's gonna help you see everything a whole lot better no matter where you are, at the beach, the ballpark, the backyard. They're cleaner, they're lighter, they're stronger. Italian handcrafted frames that are impossible to scratch. Let's get the exclusive code CanonCast15 at Canon.com to receive 15% off on your first pair. Do it, okay? It's Canon. K-A-E-N-O-N-C-A-S-T-15. Go for it, man. I yeah. had a couple friends, and I've probably induced self-food poisoning <laughs> by, by pushing Are we not going to say that? I'll edit by, that part well, out. You know, you, you're like, because you, you just mentioned it, you don't want to go to waste. So, okay, you learned your lesson. And so the psychological trip comes in, and mm. the appearance, we're very visual species, and the appearance of a next day uh, my wife is the same way. And, you know, that's affected my waistline over the years a little bit. And I got to <laughs> say, you know, we don't need a half a pound of turkey, just get a quarter. And I know, mm-hmm. I, I know you don't know that I only want a little bit of turkey, but it's a perception thing. My wife is, uh, and I'm not saying just Italians, but other families celebrate in large ways. No, it's, a, it's Italians. Italians. <laughs> it's Italians. And, and we're, go, we're going through that right now because her family was rather large at a certain time in their life. And through time, it's been aging and shrinking mm-hmm. okay, either by mortality yeah. and there's still this perception about i still need a lot of food because yep. food oh, is related to status right right, right. So new york city you know in new york city particularly you could get the the same muscles at two different places and just because of the gravitas it's right. a perception and so for example this past easter not to date the podcast my wife and I discussed how much roast beef to get. Well, her aunt, you say make one make make lasagna. It's an automatic two trays. Right. And <laughs> that generation hasn't disassociated. No. And I said to her, "My dad eats like a bird. Your parents, my right. parents eat like birds. You gotta 
And even five pounds was too much. No, dude, I know what you're talking about. But to that point, and I and I witnessed that through you know mm -hmm. both sides, from my in-law side to my own side. But even more in my in-law side, if there wasn't a ton of leftovers, then that meant there wasn't enough food. Because That's if right. that plate at the end, if if you look down that table and the big platters were empty. <gasps> Oh, that meant you didn't have enough. That's right. And oh, then everybody's yeah. sitting there in the living yep. room a half hour later sleeping off a of food coma, but yet there wasn't yep. enough. You know, and just... why have to have the hassle of, uh, you know, uh, putting it back in containers to give away? Let's just trim the start. Right. And it's been making inroads, but there's this psychological food and the waste end is off the charts. And right. we'll get into well, that, I'm sure. Yeah, but, that, but that's what I want to talk about. So... Now you hooked up with this company for solutions and yep. explain what's been created here, what the goal is and Dang. how we're gonna utilize this. Goal is to recapture the energy and that's all things are in the universe. Yep. Is recapture it and redirect it instead of going to a landfill and producing methane, which is 24 times more potent than carbon dioxide, mm. recapture the, 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 the karmatic energy of this food using the 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 naturally created microbes that are already in your food grossing out students and people all the time <laughs> capitalizing on their abilities to consume food into smaller levels reintroducing that back into soil structures which takes those microbes that are either alive or have passed on in this process put it back in the soil so that energy is available for the fine roots of whatever you want to grow, whether it's landscaping or more importantly, back to growing healthier, stronger food. Now, healthier, stronger plants. In addition to this process, we use wood shavings that have been once considered a waste by carpentry companies and mm. multiples. There's waste byproduct. Some of it's as we're discovering in four solutions is reused. But the wood then also contributes as a chemical stimulant, a, a, a natural stimulant, the carbon and nitrogen, nitrogen being food, carbon being wood. When that wood goes back into the soil, what does wood do naturally with water? What is absorbs, absorbs it? Absorbs yeah. it. Right. So now those wood shavings that slowly break down are in below the surface. They act as a water absorber. Mm -hmm helping plants that are energized by the food energy to be more resilient to drought conditions or dry conditions. Hmm. Overall, you get a healthy plant and you get healthier product at the end. Right. I right. got a question. Is that basically composting in a nutshell? Yeah. We're just doing right. it on a bigger scale because right. maybe where Chris lives in the apartment building, I presume, mm -hmm. um, you know, there's not space. New York City is one, you know, it's the most congested, one of the most congested metropolises on the planet as any urban center is. Um, and where Rick lives may not have the space. So this process, if we can connect the dots, which we can with this system and with now growing governmental support and citizen activism about the power of food scraps. Okay, so we do have to do a little transporting. The goal mm -hmm. would be to do maybe in Chris's building or, or backyard area, but space is tight. So if we do have to transport it to a, a warehouse, if you will, have them filled with these food digesters and a product comes back out mm. that Chris could maybe on his balcony grow some better food or mm -hmm. put in a community garden or sell right. it uh, as a business model or just improve humanity 
right. at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, so it, closing the loop is the big goal. And most of the time we're talking about the food here, but the wood shavings also end up in landfills. And that does nobody any good either, as much right. as the food does in a landfill. I was surprised you know, Chris, to see. Yeah, go ahead. Last time you uh, made dinner, I, I noticed that there were some wood shavings in there. Right, I like to put right. I like to put that a little on, on the top of my uh, my managot. I'd like to do that just a little bit, you know, give it a little more substance because it's kind of mushy. That's right, a little bulk. But, but I will say, you know, I, I saw on the list things like I don't think people realize like eggshells are actually something yeah. that can be utilized. Yeah, anything that comes from the ground can go back in the ground. It's just an organization right. of the periodic table. That's all food is. Right, you just fancy. Okay. Right. You could go back in the ground, which we were intended sure. to do. It's a molecular distribution or redistribution, basically. Yeah, that's all that's all all I said. Can't go there, guys. Sorry. Right, Sorry. Right. Sorry um, I hate how this. about lettuce? <laughs> what do we all commonly do with lettuce? What's the perception of lettuce? You buy lettuce, it's wrapped in plastic. What do you right. do? In the yeah. beginning stages, you take the plastic off. What do you do? Offside. You peel the first pieces off. So if you pay a, a dollar for that head of lettuce, right. you are literally peeling off value. Right and energy that could go somewhere else. So it's an economic gain because now you purchase that head of lettuce for a dollar, mm. you're gonna get the full value. Where do you which, shop, by the way? A dollar is easy. Teaching students use whole numbers. Oh, okay, thank you. Thank you, Professor <laughs> Heinegger. So let, let's let's talk about with four solutions. Now there's there's a sort of a, I don't know, lack of a better term, a, a machine of sorts yeah, that has been yeah. designed to speed up this process. So tell us a little bit about that and the types of clients you might have or where you're sure. focusing it right now. Okay, this system in a visual for our listeners, and I'm not gonna go the graph again, but envision your digestive system. You have teeth, which is our shredder. It breaks it down into cube shaped sizes which is more surface area for faster transformation. Mm. So that they put the food in any food. I've done lobster shells. I've done beef shoulders. This machine is basically a, a paper shredder, high torque, low speed, shreds it down. Mm -hmm. You mix in the right recipe of wood shavings, kind of breaks it down. It then goes up an auger, which is its throat. The muscles of the auger resemble our throat, our esophagus. You can consider the main part of the vessel, the round cylindrical part, the digestive part, where as food is consumed, we add more food and we mm. tumble it, we give it oxygen, that's the key difference. So some would say, well, yes, these microbes, they breathe, they need oxygen, but it's not a negative contribution to greenhouse gases. So the naysayers are, 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 are I don't wanna say squashed, but they're addressed. Mm. After five days, Five days from the time you put the food in, you have a usable product coming out the final end, which we don't need to describe. Right. That product, by about day 15, can be put back into the market as a resellable commodity. So very few business models have a system where Chris would pay me to take his food waste, community, low price, or some sort of endeavor, either through taxation or you know, a private business. Mm -hmm. I do the processing. 15 days later, Chris comes back to me and says, hey, I want some stuff in my garden. Well, hey, look what I got. I've got mm -hmm. a bag of food, scrap, compost, the energy to grow a better product. So you pay me possibly twice. And this process just maximizes the natural process of a deer on the side of a road. Right. It <laughs> would take months to do, but I could do it in five days. 
Right. And at, and at a smaller uh, pace, obviously, than you can with, with at the- At a safe, safe pace, because the heat that these microbes generate in any one of the size of our vessels is up to 140, 150 degrees Fahrenheit. Just mm-hmm. the microbes eating. Wow. That's how powerful these microbes wow. really are. Right. And so numerous. And in five days, all they're in shrang- Shangri-La, okay, Nirvana. Because <laughs> right. I keep giving them food, and at different levels, different microbes awaken and go to sleep as it moves its wow. way through, and it's gone. These are these are these are drunk, silly microbes. They're they're exactly. so happy they don't know what to do with themselves. Yeah, so it's not even climate change. It's the microbes are you're raising right. the temperature. You're right. You're right. And they solve the salmonella issue because it's so hot for five days. They solve pathogen problems, E. coli, too right. hot for too long. The microbes are the trick. Some of the smallest mm. things on our planet could save our planet. Right. And so at the end, this unit is ideal for city projects like New York City. There's got to be some industrial area that could be encapsulated in a, mm. a simple warehouse, mm-hmm. have a series of these vessels. Um, it could be where you're looking at college universities, a nice captive audience that eat a lot of food. Right. Uh, if you guys have had kids that gone to school, one of the most important thing is, well, what's the food like here? It's never really good, but there's, right. there's, <laughs> but for the price that you're paying, parents want right. variety and right. higher quality. Companies that do composting already, they could substitute one of our vessels for one of their windrow turners, fuel sources, okay? Because mm. they got to maintain that unit. They don't even need the unit anymore because it's our not, system, right. it does everything. It brings it in, tumbles it down, and puts it out at the end. Anywhere there's food. And well, we but, have it, we have it on an island actually over um uh off of Newfoundland, an island. Really? Yeah, yeah. They bought one because the only way to get there is a ferry, and an 18 wheeler costs a lot to put on a ferry to haul their food waste, which is 0.75 pounds per person per day. Wow, that's crazy. That's a pound of food a day. That's yeah. if if you have four bags of groceries. Typically, one is wasted, okay, on average. Wow. If that puts it in perspective, it, right. That puts it in perspective. So this island decided, well, we've got the food waste. Let's just create an ordinance and or figure it out, divert it. And so they reduced the number of trucks, those big 18-wheeler garbage haulers coming mm. to the island, lowers ah. expenses. Mm-hmm. And now they take the food and put it back in the farms on the island right. and get stronger plants. Right. I mean, you're basically taking almost the same thing and just keep rehashing it and its functionality over and over without adding, without adding more waste from the outside. I would assume, I mean, so what about the, I mean, the restaurant industry in in major cities, this has to be a huge source for food waste at this point. It's really the political side is getting them together. Where's that paradigm shift going to be? Some restaurants are much better. Uh, I'm working on creating an opportunity to uh, provide local restaurants with this with with the service of picking up their food waste i will advertise for free i won't charge them you just give me your food waste they get good pr they reduce their haulage fees and then right that side the political drive seven to eight states have already legislated is the word mm-hmm. food waste bans okay because they know because in new jersey new york the food in the waste stream municipal waste stream is usually made out of water What's a piece of lettuce made out of if you leave it? It breaks down to water, right? A lot of food does. And so if we burn it, that's extra energy to burn the food. Mm. Counterproductive. 
So the incinerator by the turnpike in New Jersey doesn't have to use as much fuel if it was diverted mostly of food right? because you don't have to heat up and burn water. Hmm. Is this See? too cerebral for most it's, of but the world? It sounds cerebral, but it's simple. Right. Legislated, people will follow. And people are doing great things already on their own. We can legislate it without being a burden as a lot of people feel these days. And this right. is a game. This is a right. game. And it's an easy greenhouse game. Very easy to take that out so if cities and states have sustainable city programs, huge gold points. But but the point is, it, is. It, it, but this is a natural, organically occurring thing. So like, as you said earlier, you, you know, it's not a matter of reinventing the wheel. It's paying attention to it and putting focus on it to make it more functional. Right. Before we go, I do want to bring up a couple of things. Go, let, let's have some fun about our, our history. So now, first of all, Hey, you're a middle-aged warrior, dude. I mean, how old are you now? I'm, I'm, uh, I'm about a year out from the 5 a year and a half. So. Wow, yeah. So uh, you, you're a milestone. As, as Rick and I like to say, you're in the sweet spot. We're in the sour spot of middle-aged <laughs> uh, warriors. But, remember, but, my friend, sour. what do they say about wine? What do they say about wine? That's true. So you guys uh, it's are better with age. Much, much better with age. We've had a good run, and this environmentalism, you know, people can find redemption in this if they feel like they're not contributing. New York mm. City has started some great programs about New York City compost. The mm. pandemic certainly has temporarily suspended that. Right. But, you know, and, and the, the schools, schools, school districts are seeing it as a win. Because what do they do to the kids every day, at least once or twice? They Ooh, feed them. They feed them. Oh, sure, yeah. So yeah. middle schools, elementary, high schools, school districts, mm -hmm. you take that out. And I've seen and read studies and stories where uh, contractor bag size Schools have gone from 10 to 1. Wow. Because now, now you can also add your paper in there. Take that contract away. Paper is wood. So you mm -hmm. just change the recipe. And now you go down to one bag a day versus 10. Right. That's economics. And that's yeah. where it gets people listening. I was going Talk to say. Getting more fiber in your diet, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's healthy because all the food, right, Rick? All the food, it's not just you're eating one type. You're eating tomato, all these different things that you may have not eaten in its usual form. I'm not a fan of beets, but I'm sure there's beets in some compost. Oh. That energy goes back. So you're getting a, 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 um, a homogenous mix of energy. And I know it's all sounds a little new wavy and stuff, but once <laughs> you simplify it to energy, it makes sense to people. Yeah, and I, I think, as you just pointed out before, too, sometimes the breakdown before anybody decides to move and do something in this country, unfortunately, you have to dangle the carrot, meaning it has to make economic sense to them. They have, Every how time. am I going to, how do I save money first? Because if this is going to cost me more money, then well, I'm not doing it. You know, that's, that's always the, the number one question we get. And, you know, as environmentalists, I teach my students in sustainability, environmental sciences, we've got to be business people because the first question you get is how much does this cost? Right. How right. much is this going to cost? Of course. And, we, and we've had every one of our studies, our clients, we're talking with some major universities right now, every study we've done of their food audit, it is cheaper to compost than it is to continue on whatever they're doing. I'd say 95% of the time, there's been a couple examples where mm. waste is too cheap. But for right. New York, that ships it out on trains, no, forget find it. some space yeah. or keep it regionally and work cooperatively. And 
we're starting to see those inroads, positively speaking. Yeah, I mean, you have to translate to them, hey, less is more. You know, less waste is going to be yeah. more for you economically. Uh, and it may be a process. It may not happen overnight either. It's something that, that certainly is going to take some time. All it's right. going to have to because we're going to kill ourselves. That's the answer. That's, That's the, the Sorry. That is the bottom line. You're absolutely right. On, on this Earth Day, I want to thank you for stopping by because economically, Rick and I on Middle Age Warriors, <laughs> we still use the cheapo Zoom. So I'm looking at my clock and I only have <laughs> right, four minutes right. left. Gotcha, gotcha. But I want to I, thank you. It's been a great time today. And, and anytime we can talk about Earth stuff, I'm down with that. And I thank great. you, too, for having this, this podcast this week, especially. Now, I think you've uh, enlightened some folks and hopefully start to make people think a little more forward. And hey, you know, it, and it's not as complicated as you make it sound. Real quick, I want to go back. Do you remember, we talked about it at the, at the start, to go back to the NBC days. So, Rick, the big, mm-hmm. my first official week, and I had started at NBC sort of filling in in uh, 1995, September, October, here and there for Al and during the week or whatever. And then I, I came on board. My first official weekend was January, uh, I guess it was 5th, or 4th <laughs> or 5th of uh, 1996. It, it was yeah, a huge. It was, it was, oh, yeah. The huge snowstorm that, that that came. Yeah. So Will was a weather, you were a weather producer at that point, correct? Or you were an intern? Yes. You were a weather producer, I, right? I was a weather producer. I was working for the uh, affiliate NBC News, the uh, parent company downstairs. Someone had said, one of the uh, meteorologists, hey, we need a hand. I said, sure, what am I doing on weekends? You know, I'm only 20-something. <laughs> I don't have a life. And, uh, <laughs> exactly. I kind of filled in for them. And my one of my first early fill-ins was the major blizzard of 96. So uh, what had happened, and the, one of my most memorable moments about that whole thing was, I mean, and this was a, a, an amazing, beautiful, dynamic storm. I mean, it was just crazy. Mm. And I'm not going to get into details about it right now. But we ended up with, I think, five, five meteorologists because something happened with booking rooms and you could not get out of the city on that storm. Wow. Uh, I guess it was the Sunday night going into Monday at that point. And uh, do you remember there were yes. five, there were five, was four of us. It was myself, you, uh, Gus. Don, Gus and Don Sinekis. We, they just booked a room somewhere nearby. And the only way to get there was the walk. Right. And I remember sleeping. So now I'm like, well, I'm sleeping on a chair guys. Cause I'm not getting <laughs> right. Right. four meteorologists in bed during a snowstorm. Uh, this could go, this could go really in weird places. Sounds like the setup for a great joke, actually. I'm oh, telling no, you, it, it actually got better because there was thunder snow. Yes, and you, oh. it was as though four teenage girls had run to the window, seen the superstar. We <laughs> jumped from our beds like the Christmas, <laughs> and we stared outside. And that was the time we walked up Fifth Avenue in the middle of Fifth Avenue. It yeah, totally shut down during the blizzard. The only way to walk was in the streets because they kind of plowed it. It was amazing. It was a memorable life moment. That was a surreal moment. So before we get cut off, thanks for sharing that memory. Thanks for sharing your knowledge on this Earth Day. And uh, hopefully soon, once we get past this thing, we're going to have some dinner together too. Yes, Four Solutions, F-O-R Solutions, LLC.com. Check it out. It's a great website to get you stoked to saving the Earth. There you go. Well said, bud. Thanks again. Catch you soon. Thank you for having me. Stay well. Well, that was some great information. I would like to say that's food for thought. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. That's really bad. I'm sorry. I apologize. I shouldn't do that on an Earth Day, at least. Let's keep it clean, right? <laughs> really? But uh, some good info, and I guess we could all do our part, and that's what we should start to think about every day in our I lives. I suppose so. Yeah, I mean, we, we do. We throw out so much that we don't need to. Mm-hmm. I, it's heartbreaking to see the amount of food that gets thrown out yeah. at restaurants and Terrible. stuff. A lot of waste, so yeah. maybe uh, this show will... 
put a little thought in somebody's head to maybe sort of start to change the way they do things in terms yeah. of handling their waste. Probably not. <laughs> With that, I'm going to say uh, so long, farewell. We're going to see you the next time. Uh, sunshine always. You've got our credits for this wonderful show, Rick. I do. Well, Warriors. first of all, please tell your friends to join us for our next installment of Middle-Aged Warriors here on the famed Believe Podcast Network. We're counting on you people. Produced at Samino Studios, the New York City office. One of many. Engineered by Chris. Mm, only one. <laughs> <laughs> catering provided. Well, we didn't have catering today, so I'm That's true. not even going to give you credit. You know what he brought me? You should know, by the way. He brought me a can of beans. I have a can of kidney beans. A this can of beans. Why he came with a can of beans, I'm really not sure. Is that what baseball plays? It's a can of corn. can of corn. It's an easy can fly of, ball. It's that's, that's a can of corn. I'm not really sure why. But. He gave me beans. Our announcer is the talented, award-winning, yes. and wonderful Valerie Small. The only professional on this show. Absolutely. <laughs> Clearly. We give her the least amount of time. It's funny. He's Chris. I'm Rick. Be good. Feel good. Bye. And once again, Middle-Aged Warriors brought to you by Bet Online. Hey, if you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes, preferably five stars, no begging. Uh, we're available also on your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can find us at Believe.com, that's B-L-E-A-V.com, and at Believe Podcasts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.